Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. A lot of stuff that I want to talk about on the podcast today. I'm going to be getting into some surprising announcements in regards to Tom Cruise and the future of some of the projects that he could be going on in. Is him and Christopher McQuarrie the best duo relationship in the movie business right now? I'll get into that. Also get into some, into some casting news regarding Joker 2. Also some stuff about Scream six and much more but the first thing that i do want to talk about on the podcast today and i hate to do this always at the top but of course we have to talk about this and that is the passing of the one and only olivia newton john who did pass away a few days ago on monday and it wasn't disclosed what she passed away from but there were bouts that she had with cancer over the the last couple of years that kind of came back from remission and when you think of olivia newton john you of course think of her role as sandy in greece which made her an icon especially within pop culture in general and the crazy thing is that when you do a film like that it's it's very hard to keep passing it down from from generation to generation and still kind of be known for that and still be as popular and that movie is to this day still one of regarded as one of the the best musical of all time and it's definitely a, a a musical that was the highest grossing still is the highest grossing musical of all time in terms of its box office numbers and it made her an icon outside of her music space, which is what she was really kind of known for. She was a multi-Grammy award-winning performer, and she had amazing hits such as Physical in the 80s. And so she was just somebody that was able to kind of come across as, as multifaceted. And even though her acting career didn't explode after Grease, and she had a few hits, a few films here and there after Grease, but it didn't really kind of hold like her music career did but she was so well established at that point that again she's just somebody that is well known to this day and age and the crazy thing is that when you think of Olivia Newton-John I didn't really know this until actually a few days ago I'm surprised I I didn't I didn't know this but she was actually Australian and for all as I knew I thought she was just again that kind of average everyday um, American girl that she was kind of portrayed to be in in a country someone who lived out in the country was a country singer but she was from another country and, and and it's just absolutely astonishing to see what she was able to do in the career that she was that she was able to have. So again, somebody who will always be remembered as a singer, as an actress, and somebody who again will be passed down as one of the most iconic performers in a musical with Greece, with of course John Travolta, and, and so her name and legacy will always live on forever. So unfortunately, our at the same Bissell podcast, our hearts and fa- and hearts and thoughts go out to the family of Olivia Newton-John who passed away on Monday. Now to move on to some other movie news that is going on around the world of Hollywood. And the next thing that I wanted to start out with is the news in regards to Scream 6. And of course, as of right now, as far as I know, principal photography is still going on for the film right now. I believe they're shooting in Canada right now. I believe it's it's Ontario around the Toronto area. But the big headlines coming out for Scream 6 are stuff that is happening a little bit behind the scenes. And that, of course, was the big news that came 
came out around June that the star of the Scream franchise, Sydney Prescott herself, Nev Campbell, would not be returning for the role of Sydney Prescott, and that caused a lot of waves within the the fan community that are that are big Scream supporters, and I think the movie industry in general because of the success of the fifth film earlier this year and the fact that they were doing another one, they were kind of riding the successful wave. And again, you usually want to have your ghost face and you want to have some of the returning cast members, but you all always want to make sure that you have the main lead actress who has carried this franchise from the very beginning, since 1996. And unfortunately, that just didn't seem to be the case. And there were rumors and, and speculation that it was because that the that the writing didn't have a good role, that maybe it wasn't the kind of role that Nev Campbell wanted it to be. There were a lot of things going around, but it seems like the main thing that kind of came down to, and she put this out in a statement, was because of contract negotiations and because of money. And it seems like a few months later, she's kind of given clarity to that in talking to People Magazine. And it seems like that is exactly the reason for that in, in detail. This is what she says to the publication. I did not feel that I was being offered equated to the value that I bring to this franchise and having brought to this franchise for 25 years. As a woman in the business, I think it's really important for us to be valued and to fight to be valued. I honestly don't believe that if I were a man and had done five installments of a huge blockbuster franchise over 25 years, that the number that I was offered would be the number that would be offered to a man. And and in my soul, I just couldn't do that and I just couldn't walk on set feeling that, feeling undervalued and feeling the unfairness or lack of fairness around that. So again, it seems like in the end it was due to finances. And I said this before when this came around a few months ago, and I'll say it again, I applaud Nev Campbell for doing this. And I think, again, because of the day and age that we live in right now, it seems very much like for a lot of people in Hollywood, they want to be valued for what they are worth. And again, I, I agree with her in the fact that she has been the lead of this franchise. Now, of course, you can go to saying that Ghostface is the actual face of this franchise. And, and whenever you go see movie posts, Posters, or whenever you think of, of iconic scenes or moments, they have to do with Ghostface. But you need a a face behind everything, and Nev Campbell truly has been that since the very beginning. And even though you are going to you had her for so many films, I do think that you could have you could have been able to to have her in this. Now, the, a big question can also be what kind of money was she offered, and I don't think we'll ever find out the details of how much she was actually offered. If it really was something between two to $5 million, I can understand her kind of being, I'm, I think I'm deserving a little bit more than that. I'm not saying that you get $20, $30 million, especially since given the role that she had in the fifth film earlier, that it wasn't really kind of the main supporting lead. They have new, younger performers that are kind of the, at the forefront of this new iteration of Scream. But again, to kind of have her back five to $10 million dollars for a, a picture, including maybe some money that she makes in the back end, I think you could have put that potentially in the contract. And again, like if I'm Paramount, you have enough money. You, you're the most successful studio this year in profitability because of, of films like Top Gun Maverick, which grossed over a billion dollars, the highest grossing film of this year. You also have films such as The Lost City, Jackass Forever, and the, 
the the latest screen film which kind of kicked off this run for you that you're having in 2022 so i think you could have given her a little bit more money and sure the the, the screen five did not make as much money well it made money it made 140 million dollars worldwide but it's not like it made 500 600 million dollars at the box office but still i think you could have doled out a little bit more money to her now do i think that this is going to take a hit for scream six which is coming out next year in march on march 31st i think yes and no i do think that people might not see her on a poster or in a trailer and maybe they'll think well how come sydney isn't in the film but i also think that even though she is the face of this of this franchise, I I think it can take a little bit of a hit, but I don't think it'll be a, a, a tremendous hit because again, you still have a lot of the main ingredients. I think you bring back enough legacy characters like Courtney Cox is coming back. You have Hayden Panettiere coming from Scream 4. It seems like a lot of people wanted her to be back in this and they were able to make a deal and have her be in this new film. And then I think it also pushes the success of the fifth film, pushes these new characters into the limelight. And I think enough people liked these new characters enough that they were kind of the main focus of five that they'll be going back to see where their stories are going next and if you have Ghostface again even though Sydney is the main is the main face of it Ghostface is still the thing you think of when you think of the Scream franchise and I think if you have all those ingredients still together I think this film will be okay now is it going to make 500 800 million dollars I don't think that but I think for the studio is probably looking for a little bit of an increasement in the profitability that between five and six so if they're able to do that I think this this film will do okay minus Nev Campbell not being in it and it, it doesn't seem like from her, the statements that she's made that she's done with the Scream franchise in general it just seems like for this one film the studio and the actress and her reps were not able to come to agreement they were at an impasse and I think if a Scream 7 rolls around and 8 or, or more installments come down the line and the writers and directors want her to be a part of it and the studio and the and, and her are able to kind of come to an agreement I could see her coming back for future sequels down the pipeline it's just for this one just it didn't work out but again I don't think it's going to be a, a huge hit could it take a little bit of a hit maybe but I think all the ingredients that they have going for them right now I think is enough for them to have success and perform very well for Scream 6 on March 31st of next year but what do you guys think about the statements from Nev Campbell when she gave her reasonings for why she's not going to be in Scream 6 again totally agree with it I understand it and I applaud her for taking that stance. Do you guys agree with that? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And in terms of casting news, I want to move over to the comic book world once again and talk a little bit about some DC casting news that has come out over the last couple days. And this isn't confirmed, but this is more rumored, but it's coming from a major trade within Deadline. And it has to do with the sequel to the Joker film from 2019. And I'm going to call it Joker 2 right now. I'm still trying to put down the name for what this new film is going to be. Hopefully by the time it comes out in October of 2024, I will have the name down as best as I possibly can, but I want to make sure I have it as accurately as possible since it is kind of this French term, which is really cool, but I want to make sure I have it kind of down pat before fully 
giving it its name. So I'm going to call it Joker 2 or the Joker sequel as of this moment, but I'll let you know once I actually change it to say the actual name once I have a little bit more practice. But for right now, I'm calling it Joker 2, and it seems like Zazie Beats is going to be a part of Joker 2, reprising a role from the first film. And I'm actually a little surprised by her coming back to this because if you know the the first Joker film and the the role that her character had in it, it was very much kind of the lending the the angle of kind of showcasing Arthur, who's played by Joaquin Phoenix, as kind of this unsupportive first-person narrator as we're following him throughout this journey that he's going through. And she's very much kind of this 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 twisted love interest that Arthur thinks he has with her. And, and it's a really good twist on the movie. And the way that this movie ends and the way that it's it seems like it's going in a, in a different direction, that it, it's reportedly going to be taking place majority in Arkham Asylum. It's going to be a musical. It seems like Lady Gaga is going to be playing Harley Quinn. I'm very curious to see how she fits into this new film. Maybe it's it's more of the psychosis of Arthur and, and it's going to be more within his mind. I'm very curious about that. It, from all intents, it seems like this film is going to be start to shoot principal photography in December of this year to make its October 2024 release date. So we're not right around the corner from the filming, but it, we're, we're, we're rounding third base, heading towards home in terms of getting this on its, on its feet into production. But Again, I, I think I think Zazie Beetz is a really good actress, and I liked her performance in Joker, even though it was more of a limited role and more supporting. But I, I really like what she's done in Bullet Train, of course, in Deadpool 2, and stuff like in like The Harder They Fall. And so to see her come back in this, it's great. I'm curious to see the the role and how that role continues in this film. But everything about this this so far, first, I can't even believe that they're coming out with the Joker sequel. The fact that Joaquin Phoenix actually wants to come back to this role I think is it's just it still surprises me that he's willing to do this but it sounds like Todd Phillips is a very interesting take on this film and the fact that he was able to get Lady Gaga involved in this it's it's I'm very curious by it and, and the fact that it, it is it going to be a lightning in the bottle situation where the first film just was able to capture the zeitgeist in the moment back in 2019 is this film going to be able to, to do that again but do something different because I think that's what made Joker so unique was it was a different take on Gotham, different take on the character, the, the the world. It was just so interesting and so real. I'm very curious to see what Todd Phillips is going to do, where it seems like he's going to be going more into hyper-realism with this next film. But it's just so curious to me how this is all going to kind of play out in the end. But still Zazie Beetz coming back if she does come back from all intents and purposes from these reports very happy to see her back and is curious to see what her role is going to be in the film what do you guys think about Zazie Beetz returning for Joker 2 let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts and the next thing that I want to talk about on the podcast today is the news that came down a few days ago according to Deadline Hollywood in regards to kind of the future of, of, of Tom Cruise and the projects that that he's going to do and that right now he's kind of riding the high not just off of Top Gun Maverick but the fact that he's going to be having two new Mission Impossible films coming in two straight years starting next year and then rounding out in 2024 and he's coming off of the success also Mission Impossible Fallout and all that is in line with working alongside the one and 
only Christopher McQuarrie, who has been with Tom Cruise for what seems like forever right now. They seem to attach to the, uh, attach to the hip everywhere they go and everything that they do. And with Tom Cruise, it just it seems like if it, it just felt like the last couple of years, could we be kind of getting down to the last few projects that we see Tom Cruise do? He just turned 60 this year. It, does he have more in the tank in terms of action and, and the stunt performances that he does, which makes him so unique and such an icon, especially in today's day and age where we, where we have stunt performers and visual effects. He's somebody that is just down, dirty, getting things done and jumping off of planes, hanging, hanging on the side of planes, jumping out of airplanes, jumping off of buildings. He's doing everything, fighting, flying fighter jets. He, he's done it all and he keeps doing it. And it seems like with Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one and two, it's just going to continue that. So what what's next for Tom Cruise? What is he going to do? And it sounds like according to Deadline, that they have three new projects that are in the pipeline right now. And so according to the the trades, apparently one is going to be an original song and dance style musical that they're gonna craft as a star vehicle for Tom Cruise. They're also apparently gonna be setting up an original action film that could potentially spin off into its own franchise that's not Mission Impossible, something apparently brand new. And it seems like they're gonna be going back into the well of something else that made Tom Cruise an icon over the last 15 plus years and that is potentially doing something with his iconic small role in the character of Les Grossman from Tropic Thunder which is one of the most I feel like not underrated but under uh, underappreciated performances that Tom Cruise has ever given and is so unique than anything he's ever done in his filmography and it is of course an extensive filmography at that so it seems like those are the next three films that are in the pipeline now maybe three two of them never actually happen and one of them does or maybe all three of them happen but it seems like for right now I think the main story about this is that for me at least the most successful one of the most successful duos in the game today is continuing their relationship after Mission Impossible 7 and 8 and it seems like Christopher McCory is writing all three of these scripts and what's what's interesting about this is that it's these three projects on top of already the reported on film that Tom Cruise wants to do and going out into space and shooting what seems like a sci-fi action film, kind of taking the a ship from Elon Musk, Elon Musk's SpaceX all the way up to the space station and filming an entire film up there, which is crazy. But of course, who else would do the crazy other than Tom Cruise at this point in time? So it seems like that is also still in development as well. And there's a lot of complicated sophistications and elements that they have to make that happen. But that seems to still be in the works as well. So Tom Cruise doesn't seem like he's stopping at any point in time right now. But what I take away from all these stories is, again, the fact that for me right now, Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie represent the best duo in Hollywood right now. When we talk about writers and directors teaming up with stars, it's very rare to kind of have a a director-actor relationship in today's day and age in Hollywood. It used to happen a lot back in the day, especially when you looked at Tom Hanks with, with Steven Spielberg, and, and, and they still work together from time to time, but not as consistently as they once do. You look at people like Scorsese with De Niro, which again, still happens from time to time, but not as frequently as it used to. And then someone like that's very much t- in today's day and age in, in Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio. You always have a director and star that can work together in tandem and know 
and know what they can get out of each other and like to work with one another. And for Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie, that seems to be the case. And I can't blame them for wanting to stick it together with one another because if you look at the streaks that they have had over the last couple of years, it's just been one winning streak after another. And when you look at the relationship, and it, it all kind of came together back in 2008 when McCory was the writer for Valkyrie. Now, Brian Singer was the director at the time, but McCory is somebody who I think over the last couple of years has showcased how great of a director he has become because when we look, when we know him, he's somebody that is a lot well more known for his writing, doing films such as The Usual Suspects and really being able to kind of turn these really kind of popcorn films into these great story-driven twists and turns throughout throughout his films. And I think that was never more prevalent than what he did with Mission Impossible Fallout, where it seems like one thing was happening and then something else would be happening and it turned it on its head a little bit. And he was able to make the Mission Impossible franchise something that was an edge on your thriller that surprised you and I think that's what Mission has always wanted to be and McCord was able to kind of tap into that and I'm sure that's why he's continued to do these films and Paramount and Tom have wanted him to continue to do it for a very, very long time. And to see how McCory has been able to take these films and do something with them and make them entertaining blockbusters, but make them a little bit more deeper has been interesting. And wherever you look that Tom Cruise has done over these last couple of years, even something like Top Gun Maverick, where you had someone like a Joseph McCory working on it as a director, but really McCory, what he was able to do was incredible because Kaczynski, Joseph Kaczynski, the director, did a really good job with it, but McCory was able to, I think, tinker with a lot of the great things that portrayed on the screen in terms of the character development, the story. I just think that he was able to really kind of tap into that and... It seems like if, if there's a few podcasts that if you listen to what he says, he came on really late in the process, but he added a lot of these great elements to it. And it seems like with Top, not Top Gun, but with Mission Impossible Part 1 and Part 2, he's delivering on that front once again in terms of the action, but the story hopefully is just as good. So for Tom Cruise, I, I can understand why you would not want to leave this guy's side and continue to work with him because over the last five, six years, it's been nothing but success after success. And I think I, th- I would be one that wants to see one of their films once again. It's it's interesting because it could get up to that point where whenever Cruise is working with McQuarrie, it's not just I want to see a Tom Cruise film. It's I want to see this Tom Cruise, Christopher McQuarrie movie because of the, the resume of success that they both have been able to have. And you, you don't really get that a lot in today's day in age in Hollywood. Again, you had a lot of them that happened in the past. But when I think about it right now, none really kind of kind of really come to mind. I mean, I think of recently Daniel Kaluuya with Jordan Peele. It seems like they're kind of this new duo that whenever a project comes along that Peele's working on, Kaluuya is always somebody on Jordan's mind that he wants to create a role for him. He did that with, with Nope, and, and you saw the success, excuse me, the success that they had when doing Get Out. So 
I think that's one that you look at, but none are at the height of what Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie have been able to do. So to see both of them realizing that and working together on potentially three new projects is amazing. And the fact that they're going to be doing a potential musical, I mean, we, we know Tom Cruise did, created, crafted his singing singing and, and dancing for what he did in 2012 with The Rock of Ages. So I'm sure he wants to utilize that a little bit more. And then to create a new action franchise, I mean, they're both, they've both worked in that wheelhouse together. So that should be pretty good if they do that. And then the Les Grossman film, I know people have been clamoring for that for a long, long time. I want to see more of that character. And I guess Tom wants to as well. So I would be really excited to see that. I think if I had to rank them, it probably would be a Les Grossman film, the action, and then the dance musical that they would want to kind of collaborate together. But the one that I would probably put above, I probably wouldn't put it above Les Grossman, but right sandwiched in between the middle would be that new space film that he's working on with Doug Lyman, where he would be going up to the International Space Station, because I'm just curious to see what the hell that film would potentially be. So for me, to see that Tom Cruise is not stopping is just great satisfaction that this guy still wants to make movies, and he's not letting his age get in the way of that. And it's not just that he's doing more dramas, he's getting back into some of the action, more physical stance stuff that he's still doing right now. So it's great to see that we're, it doesn't seem like we're on the, not the decline, but we're in the last phase of Tom Cruise's career. It seems like we're just going to continue to get more of this guy and more Tom Cruise, the better, as of course, it seems like everyone wants to see that happen given Top Gun Maverick's performance at the box office. So what do you guys think about this announcement and this these reports that Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie could unite once again together for a potential, not one, not two, but three new projects down the pipeline after they finish Mission Impossible 7 and 8? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And the final thing that I want to talk about on the podcast today is recent news, just literally hours from coming out, that it was officially announced that the latest from Jordan Peele, who we just talked about in the last topic has officially his new film nope has officially crossed 100 million dollars domestically at the box office and jordan peele now holds not one not two but three of his first films that are theatrical releases that are huge successes financially at the box office and You're going to have to bring out the record books or or look at who else had this because for an original director to bring out original ideas, even though that that Nope is not having maybe the same sustained success as Get Out or Us, the fact that this film is able to cross $100 million in the midst of a pandemic recovering session that we're in right now, even though the summer movie season has been crushing it financially, the fact that an original film has grossed $100 million domestically is an incredible accomplishment for a director like Jordan Peele to do with, again, no IP, no new, no returning characters. This is all originality from a guy who likes to come up with theatrical experiences. So to see this, the audiences still react to a film like this, even though it didn't open up to 75 plus million dollars like us did in 2019, it still is a tremendous feat for this director. And again, I've, I've said it and I'll continue to say it. He's at the precipice of becoming in the vein of a Nolan or a Tarantino in that you see this guy's movies because of him. And I think if he continues to have this kind of stretch, give another film or two, he'll be up there as a top three director for me to keep on watching out for, like a Nolan 
or a Denny Villeneuve. And Villeneuve hasn't had the box office success as a Nolan or even a Jordan Peele has, but I would still rank it as number one, number two, Nolan Villeneuve as my top two directors. But Peele is definitely in my top five right now without question. I mean, what this guy's been able to do as a director, as a writer also is just create new sophisticated ideas that bring new elements to the horror landscape, to thrillers, and even now to to UFO films or sci-fi movies as well with Nope. It's just absolutely incredible that he's able to take all these new genres and put a new twist on it in in new ways. So my hat's off to, to Jordan Peele, his entire crew over at Monkey Paws Productions, which is his own company, and to Kiki Palmer, who this is a great success for her, to Dana Kaluuya, to Stephen Young. It's just an absolutely amazing triumph that a film like this has the success that it does in in a summer movie season, in a pandemic recovering session, where again, a lot of the big films that are doing very well at the box office are comic book movies, IP-driven films like Jurassic World and and Minions. And so to, and to see this film do well is really, really, really encouraging. Now, it will it make the same amount of money as Us or Get Out worldwide. I'm not sure because it still hasn't come out internationally, so it's going to be very curious to see what kind of response other territories give Jordan Peele. But if if he's able to get this kind of reception again and it's able to eclipse what us was able to do what get out was able to do because they made the same amount of money i believe it was around 200 plus million dollars worldwide at the box office if it's able to hit that or even supersede that this is a runaway success for peel in 2022 so i'm really happy for him really happy for the cast and crew that was involved in nope and that they're able to celebrate us crossing 100 million dollars domestically at the box office. What do you guys think about this achievement for Nope? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on to the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, make sure to check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, WrestleMania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And also on Facebook at Sam Bissell. And also, make sure to check out my YouTube channel at The Sam Bissell Podcast. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep on screening.